Well, today we're continuing our series entitled Fixer Upper Family Edition. Obviously, by the title, you know that this is a series that is all about families. And there may be those in this place today, maybe you say, how is this message series going to relate to me? I I find myself in a different season of life. Truth of the matter is, I believe that there are some relational principles that we will be learning during this series that will affect all of us, no no matter where we are in our lives. We all come from a family. We all have a family. Some of us will have a family in the future. And so there's principles that will spill over in this series to all of our relationships. So my hope is that whether you're married, whether you're separated, whether you're single, maybe you're an empty nester, perhaps for you, you're a teenager, a college student. My trust is that you will find something from this message series that will help you in your relationships. Well, today, again, we are continuing this series entitled Fixer Upper. And uh, if you're not familiar, there's a show on HDTV that is called Fixer Upper. And this is a show that chronicles the life and follows the life of a couple in Waco, Texas, who is named Chip and Joanna Gaines. And what they do is they are uh, home remodelers. And they'll go and they'll have clients that have a desire to have their dream home. And instead of building a brand new home, they'll go and they'll search the inventory and they'll find a home that is kind of dilapidated or needs a little bit of tender loving care or something that they would call a fixer-upper. And the show chronicles with them as they go through the process of finding the home, fixing it up, and making these couples' dreams come true. Fixer-upper. And that's what we're going to talk about during this series Not remodeling homes, but remodeling families, remodeling relationships. When we look at our relationships, we look and say, man, they're not where they need to be. They're in fixer-upper condition. Then how in the world do we find the relationships and the model that God would have us to have? Well, last week we started out the series with a message entitled Demo Day. You see, in the show, Fixer Upper, one of the very first things they do after they found the property, after they have got a game plan down, is the first thing they do is demo day. This is the day they come with sledgehammers and and they take out all the old in preparation for the new. And last week we talked about how spiritually we need to not only get rid of some old cabinets, but some old habits. Not some old stuff in our life, some old ways of thinking if we're ever going to have the model relationships and families that God desires for us to have. And so last week we tore down some pride and some selfishness. And if you weren't here, that is a great foundation for you. I would love for you to go back and listen to that. Well, today, no longer demo day, I want to talk to you in a message that is entitled Fixing the Foundation. You see, I don't want to be Captain Obvious here, but the truth is that foundations are foundational in relationships. Not only are they foundational, they are fundamental. If we don't have the foundation right and where it needs to be, it will never work out to be the family that God has called us to be. Whether it's a parenting situation or a relationship with your spouse, the foundation is fundamental. Foundations are not always the easiest thing for us to see. It's not the beautiful stuff that we see in our physical eyes. But if you've ever been in a house that may look beautiful on the outside, 
but has foundation problems, you know that there is a big problem. It is not going to be long before the house begins to collapse around you if the foundation is not correct. Foundations are fundamental. As a matter of fact, sometimes our relationships, if you just look at them on the surface, they look good. But then we find out that there's foundational issues that are causing problems. Take, for example, this first picture that I'm going to show you this morning. If you look at this picture very closely, you will see, and just any moment now, I'm going to, it's going to come up here. There you go. Isn't that a beautiful building? If you look very closely, you can see that they have beautiful columns and they use beautiful materials. And if you look very closely, it is a beautiful building. And to the naked eye, without knowing all of the situation, it looks beautiful on the outside. But there's a problem with this building. Maybe you've seen the picture of this building that actually, in reality, looks a little bit like this. This is known as the Leaning Tower of Pisa, not pizza, Pisa, over in Pisa, Italy. It was built in about 1173. And they said that from day one, they realized all of a sudden this building that was going to be built very high, it took them over 199 years ultimately because of the foundation issues to get the building to complete. But he, they realized very quickly that they had not done the foundation correctly. It was only three meters deep, and for the size of the building, that was not sufficient, about nine foot deep, and it needed to be deeper, and on top of that, it was put on ground that was not sturdy. And all of a sudden, because there was foundation issues, it all had issues, and it was never correct. The Leaning Tower of Pisa. See, in the first picture, what I did was I kind of Photoshopped that. I took and I, I zoomed in to where if I just turned it just right, it looks outside. Well, but then I took a picture and showed you what the foundation looked like. What if we stop living with Instagram reality and, and, and Facebook falsehoods and dealt with the foundations in our life? You know what I'm talking about. You follow people on Facebook, and if you looked at their relationship on Facebook or Instagram, everything looks beautiful, everything looks great, but if you only could see the true picture and step back and not see the one that has been photoshopped, all of a sudden you would realize that there's some foundational issues. In our relationships, foundations are fundamental. So today I want to talk to you about some truths about foundations and with foundations. Truth number one. Making marriage work or fixing a foundation in this fixer-upper relationship requires a commitment. Big word there, important word in relationships. Whether it's to our children, whether it's to our spouse, it requires a commitment. Now, here's a little joke that's probably going to get me in trouble, but I know that my wife, who's been out of town on a girls' weekend for a couple of days now, is driving right now, and she's certainly not watching this, so don't tell her I said this, but here's a joke for you as it relates to commitment. Marriage is when man loses his bachelor's degree and when women gain their master's degree. Let that sink in for just a moment. Lose your bachelor's degree, marry Women get their master's Some of you are slower. The first crowd, they had less sleep, and they caught that one right away. Here's another one. Someone once said marriage is like a workshop. The men work in the women's shop. How about that? That's... 
It takes commitment. Has nothing to do with my message, but I thought that was funny. <laughs> Seriously, though, making marriage work requires some commitment to some things. And some of the things I want to go over, number one, takes a commitment for us to grow up. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, grow up. Some of you are having too much fun with that. Turn to your second choice that you were afraid to tell and tell them, grow up. I want to see a passage that's found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. But before you get there, as you're turning there, it's at the beginning of the Bible. We see this principle all the way to the beginning. See, Genesis chapter 1 and 2 tells us about the creation of the world, that God was there in the beginning, and He created the heavens and the earth, everything that we see, He created. And then finally, He creates Adam in His own image. He looks back at His creation, and He says, it's wonderful, it's good, but He says, there's one thing that is not good. In Genesis chapter 2, He says, it's not good for men to be alone. And all the single men said, amen. You don't have to say that. Because everybody will be looking at you, but it's not good. Men, you know it's not good for you to be alone. I have been alone for the last three days with the kids with my wife out of town. It's not good for me to be alone. You ain't met my kids, obviously. Good kids, it's all right. But it's not good, he says, for men to be alone. So the Bible says, out of Adam's side, he creates Eve. He creates woman. And there's this relationship there. And in this passage, then we get to Genesis chapter 24, and Adam and Eve are the first couple, uh, chapter 2, verse 24, and it says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. If you look at that closely, you'll see the principle there, that it takes a commitment to grow up can be summed up with this truth. It, we are told that we are to leave and we are to cleave. It's called growing up. See, we understand to a certain degree that marriage is when we are to leave. Hopefully you know that it's probably not the best ideal for you to be married and still living in your mother's basement. You need to leave, okay? So we know that we in some way are to leave, but, but it's not only talking about uh, proximity, but also about practice and principle. You see, you are to leave. The other part of that is you are to cleave. One translation or one definition that I found about cleave is talking about when you and your wife are marrying, you're to leave, and then you're to be stuck like glue. The Bible says that two become one. It's not you and your mom. It's not you and your parents. It's not you and your crazy uncle. It's now you and your spouse. The two have become one. See, I see it too many times when I'm counseling young couples. And all of a sudden, they'll give a revealer that they've got foundation problems. They'll say something like this. Yeah, we've been fighting and arguing, and my mama says. Or our grandma told me, grow up. Leave, cleave. It's not just proximity. It's all of a sudden you understand there is being created a brand new unit. And although you love and you respect and you honor your parents, it's ultimately you and your spouse, first and foremost. Not to say that you don't have somebody who is a confidant, but that's not your, your family. 
foundation issues. See, when I was a kid, young person, every once in a while, people would tell mama jokes. And all of a sudden, somebody would get upset about the mama jokes. And they would say a phrase like this, leave my mama out of it. Can I give some advice to some couples in this place? Leave your mama out of it. I'm not saying not to respect and love your family, but a new family, you're leaving and cleaving. It requires you to grow up. Why? Because when you talk to your family, of course, their desire is to protect. And usually they're partial. And all of a sudden, sometimes, inadvertently, they become a wedge in a relationship. It's time to grow up. Growing up also means leaving their bad examples and not bringing it into the new marriage. You've got to leave some principles and some practices and say, we are creating a new unit, and as such, Lord, we're going to stick together like glue, and we're going to do this thing the way you want it to be done to the glory of God and to be the model that you desire for us to be. Growing up means leaving and cleaving. Number two, making marriage work. This fixer-upper, getting it to a model marriage. This also talks about all kinds of relationships. This is not just marriage. This will be a good principle that will carry over in many relationships. It takes a commitment to learn how to love. Do you know how to love? What better place to look at how to love the model home of love than in the love chapter that is found in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, known as the love chapter. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse 4, this is kind of the litmus test of love. If you want to know how you're doing on the love meter, all of a sudden you look at this and you say, hey, let me take a test. And I want you, as I'm reading through some of these, how am I doing in my relationships? Don't write down, but... One to ten up here. Somebody will be looking over on your paper if you write it down. But how am I doing in this relationship? It says this in verse 4. It says, love is patient and kind. Beep, beep, beep. Back up just a moment. Say what? Love is patient and kind. One to ten, how are you doing? Can I be honest? I'm not always at a ten in reference to love is patient and kind. About a nine and a half, but not a ten. <laughs> Some of y'all appreciated that. Goes on. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. Ouch. It does not insist on its own way. Ouch. How you doing on the love meter? Does not insist on its own way. By the way, women, why can't y'all ever pick a restaurant? All I want to know is insist on your own way. It's okay on that. To have my wife, I don't want to choose the restaurant today. You choose the restaurant. Okay. What about Chili's? I don't want to go to that restaurant. Choose another one. Okay. So I quit insisting on my own way a long time ago. Keeps going here. It's not irritable or resentful. Ouch. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. And check this out, verse 7. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. What a model of love. Selfless love. Not prideful as we learned. We demoed that stuff out last week. But selfless love. 
How do we walk out that kind of love? Here's some keys that you can write down. If you're married or newly married or about to be married in your relationship, one of the things you need to do is be intentional. When was the last time you said, look, I'm going to get away from it all and it's just about me and you and we're going to have a date night and we're going to go out and we're going to hang out and we're going to be intentional about this thing. We're going to put it on the calendar and make it happen. As a family, Lee and I have made that a priority. Another thing we've made a priority is we'll set aside money over the year's time and we want to have an opportunity to get away from the kids for a while and whether that's a weekend or whatever, God, I'm going to be intentional about making this thing work. Man, be honest. When you were pursuing her, you were intentional. You left the notes and you made the phone calls and you did all of the things. We're going to continue to be intentional. Another thing is we're going to engage. We don't live separate lives. That's not your thing and this is not my thing. We may have different hobbies, but we take interest in the interests of each other and we engage. Another thing we're going to do is we're going to be aware. Aware of what's going on. Aware of how the love and the relationship is going. How do we do that? If we could just go back to 2nd, 1 Corinthians 13 again and again and again and say, how am I doing about being selfless and kind and love and all these things? I'm going to be aware and take a checkup test on a regular basis. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to learn to love. And thirdly, making a marriage work, fixing this thing up, making it the model that God wants, takes a commitment to, thirdly, understand roles. Understand our roles. Now, this is not in your Bibles, but in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, the Bible tells us, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In this passage, the writer is writing to new believers. He gets into a relational conversation in just a moment. He's going to talk about submission between uh, men and women and all these kinds of things. But the very first verse before he starts that in the roles, he says, As Christ followers, we are to be submitted to one another in the family of God and in our families. And in submission to one another, then we are honoring Christ. Then he goes on to a verse that a lot of people don't want to touch in the society that we live in. But hey, the Bible's our guidebook for living, so we're going to touch it. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, after he talks about being submitted in the body of Christ and submission to one another, reverence for Christ. He goes on in verse 22, and he talks not only about mutual submission, but he says in verse 22, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and as himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also the wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Men don't say amen because I'm about to get all over your case in just a moment. But there is a biblical representation, and we don't say what is the culture saying about how we to model our family, but what does the Word of God say? And it says here that wives are cement. And let me be honest, that's hard to hear. Because the problem is there's not a lot of worthy submission out there. Let me unpack that for just a moment. See, the truth of the matter is that's not a blanket statement. 
First of all, we are submitted to God. And if our spouse, our husband, is not leading the way that God calls us to be led, and, and God's Word is, is always superseding the will of a husband. It's not that he should lord over. If that's you, then you've got a deeper problem. For the most part, in our lives, we should be operating in mutual submission. God, what is the gift of God in her? What is the gift of God in me? How can we enhance each other? How can we do this life together? How can we communicate? How can we walk this thing out? And then there are occasions, though, and in my life, and my, my marriage with my wife, Leah, we, we, we haven't had a whole lot of these occasions where God didn't, when we were submitted to Him, didn't lead and guide us both the same way. But there are times where maybe there's an indecision or maybe the decision, it just could go either way, and there's a submission there. But it needs to be worthy submission. See, this is the key that makes this all work. If you're not walking as God calls you to, man, then you need to man up and grow up. Because otherwise you're not leading effectively. Because here's our ouch moment, men. Here's where worthy submission is gained. And submission is such a, a, a contradictory word here. But you understand what I'm saying, that we do this life together, that the foundation is right. And here is where it is gained. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What does that mean? What did Jesus do for the church? The cross. said, I love you so much that I'll lay down my life. That I love you so much that I'll lead even to the... I did not come to... The Bible says Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to lay down his life. It was a picture of how we could have strong and healthy, worthy, submitted lives together, doing this thing together. Husbands, are you willing to lay down your life for your spouse? Leah, in case you're watching, I just want you to know I would catch a grenade for you. I would throw myself on a blade for you. I would do anything for you. I just want to see who's not listening to Christian music. You just out at yourself. Uh-huh. KSBJ, some of you need to. Here's where Ephesians 5, 31 through 33 says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Leave and cleave. Stuck together. And the two shall become one flesh. This is a mystery that is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Whoever let each one, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Wow. If we could take an evaluation and, and, and take off the close-up lens and step back for a minute and say, foundationally, God, where am I in this? And use that passage, hey, we are to love and we are to leave, we're to cleave, we're to do this thing together. God, help us to get the foundation. And the foundation starts on Christ alone. Starts with the relationship with Him. You can never be the right person for someone else until you're the right person with Him. And in just a moment, this morning, praise the Lord, five people raised their hand and said, man, I need to make that relationship in the first service. I need to make that relationship right with him. And in just a moment, someone else in this place is going to say, that's the starting point. Let me submit my life to him.
And then, one final verse, and this is for us men who need to man up and grow up a little bit sometimes. It says, 1 Peter 3 and 7, In the same way husbands must give honor to your wives, treat your wives with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. Some of you, and they're talking physically, uh, that's not necessarily the case. She could beat you up, and we know that. But in general, she may be weaker than you. But she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. Wow. He takes this serious. He says, hey, if you're not treating your wife the way you need to be, don't even pray to me. I ain't hearing you. He's like, talk to the hand because the ear ain't hearing it. Yeah. He says, your prayers will be hindered. He says, but you're to love. And the greatest example, the greatest model that we look to is Jesus himself who laid down his life. So this morning as we're in week number two of Fixer Upper Family Edition, can I ask you, let's take an evaluation for the moment. Is there some things in our life that we need to grow up in? Is there some areas in our life where 1 Corinthians 13 says that we need to learn how to love? Maybe it's patience or kindness, or maybe I haven't been walking in tenderness, or what area in my life do I need to grow up? What area in my life do I need to learn to love? God, what area in my life do I need to understand roles? First, His roles. Mutually submitted to Him. Mutually submitted to the benefit of the others. Putting God first. And men standing up and being the man that God's called us to be so that God will help us to lead our families in a good way. I want to pray over you today. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. That God, even if we take an evaluation of our marriages, of our relationships, of our situations with our kids, and if we were being honest, they look kind of like fixer-uppers. They're not always the model that you desire for them to be. And even as we take an evaluation, I thank you that, God, you're not done with us yet. That, God, if we will submit to you and let you begin to change our heart, that you will make this thing the dream that you've always desired for it to be. God, I thank you that you're a God of the fixer-upper. And although we have made mistakes, you're not done with us yet. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to pray through these points this morning. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and acknowledge this, but right there where you're at, I want you to pray and say, God, there's some work to be done. Confess. First of all, Lord, right now I'm praying and others are doing business with you too. They're talking to you. There's some areas where we got to grow up. There's some areas that we got to leave and cleave. There's some areas where we haven't been sticking close to our spouse and God, there's some growing up to do. And I pray that if that's the point somebody is being pinpointed with today, that they would confess that and they would take action on that. God, somebody else in this place, they need to learn how to love that tenderness and that gentleness and that love that you describe in 1 Corinthians. We're not doing good on the litmus test of love. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask you to help us to love well. God, somebody else in this place, God, they've not been taking their rightful role. They've not manned up some of the men in this place. They've not done what you called them to do. And God, they're going to restore some boundaries and they're going to be all that you called them to be. They're going to lay down their life, not lording over, but submitting their life to lay it down 
so that they can lead well. Wives that would begin to honor and God, that marriages that would begin to be strengthened. God, I pray over them today. I don't know who it is, but in all of those areas, would you change us and transform us? As we go through this series, would you help us to be fixed up into the marriage and relationships that you've always desired for us to be? Heads bowed and eyes closed. I told you I was going to do this. We don't leave a service without giving this opportunity. While we're talking about relationships, there is one most important relationship of all, and that's Jesus Christ and his relationship with you. This morning, five people said, hey, I need Jesus to come into my heart, and and we all have sinned, but God, I realize that I'm a sinner and I need your grace. Forgive me. I've never known you, or I've known you, but I've been running so far. If that's you, you know he died on the cross. You accept that. You believe he is the Lord, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you want to confess him as Lord. I want you to boldly enough, just right there where you're at, raise your hand very high and proud. God, I don't know where I'm at. I see that hand or there are others. I don't know where I'm at, but today I see that hand or there are others. I need restoration with you or there are others. Greatest decision you'll ever make. I want to pray for you, and as I do, confess. He says, if you confess, he is faithful to forgive. Father, right now, I thank you for more hands that have said, I want to be included in a prayer that says, God, I know I'm not where I need to be with you. I admit my need for you. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I confess you as my Lord. Come into my heart. Would you begin to tell him right now, come into my heart, forgive me, and make me brand new. I thank you for what you're doing in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.